Hey everybody, it's Allie and welcome to our Y&R chat for Sunday, May 27th, 2018. The big cliffhanger that I was really looking forward to this week where Dina was going to reveal Jack's true biological father was all just a figment of Jack's imagination. It was his drunken mind playing dirty tricks on him. We saw, as the week opened up, a scene that was sort of like an extended cut version of Dina's video story where she goes on to tell the interviewer that Jack's father is really Victor Newman. Cut to Jack waking up from a nightmare, a complete and total nightmare. I imagine that this was just Jack's subconscious dreaming up a way to make the worst possible situation even worse, but it was a little bit of a tease (laughs) to me, the audience. I was really looking forward to that information being revealed because YNR has been teasing it with Dina's search for this man that she was in love with all of those years ago. And she did say that this man, this mystery man, is Jack's real father. So I was hoping that that was going to be revealed, but it wasn't. I'm hoping that the dirty trick (laughs) of thinking that Victor Newman was Jack's real father was nothing more than a nightmare. I'm hoping that it was not foreshadowing in any way. I'm hoping it was YNR playing with us a little bit. Maybe even if it's never going to pan out to be that, it's a little bit funny. (laughs) I will accept that. But I wonder if we are going to see any type of search for Jack's real father. It would certainly be better than watching him continue to spiral down and out the way he has. I will say, very fortunately for Jack, he still seems to have enough sense in him to pull himself out of the tailspin that he was in at the cabin where he's drinking and considering going back to using these pills. He says no to the pills. Literally, he spells it out (laughs) in pills, the word no. It was a very dramatic frame that YNR showed us there of Jack's internal turmoil. He does decide to clean up his act, to not let all of this get the better of him. He returns to Genoa City, but the problem is Jack assumes that he's just going to slide right on back into his CEO chair like nothing happened when Billy has been voted by the board to become the new CEO and he's kind of starting to get used to the idea of keeping that seat warm. He's liking it and probably mostly because he's got Phyllis prodding him the entire way. I... uh, I don't know if this is going to be an unpopular opinion or not, because don't get me wrong, I really think that Billy has the right, the prerogative to retain that CEO position. Billy is right that Jack 
may need to take more than just two days to think about and consider and process what's happening to him in his life. He can't just expect to go on a bender like he did, showing up at the office all bloody and bruised with these cuts. And obviously he's been through it, been through the ringer, considering falling off the wagon. Jack just can't pull all of that and then show up the next day or the next couple days and act like nothing happened and be rewarded for it. Jack fell off the map. Nobody knew where he was. Jabot was without a leader and Billy reluctantly stepped up to take the position. So Jack can't just expect that Billy's going to hand it right back on over when Jack's not necessarily balanced even yet. Now here's my butt. Any opposition that I might have to Billy running Jabot is entirely because I am really annoyed with Phyllis in all of this. The way that Phyllis is inserting herself into this situation drives me bonkers. All of the everything that's been discussed about Jabot over the the course of the past week has been the three Abbott children, John, or excuse me, Jack and Billy and Ashley, plus Phyllis. Phyllis is always hanging around there. Phyllis has always got an opinion. She's not family. (laughs) She's Jack's ex-wife and she's Billy's current girlfriend, but her opinion is given way too much weight in all of this. And I'm kind of tired of hearing it. I let Phyllis's behavior go when it came to being annoyed about the murder or sorry, I guess homicide cover up with JT. Everything that Phyllis did to make JT's homicide worse, I let it go I let it slip into the back of my mind and tried not to be annoyed with Phyllis because it was an extreme circumstance. (laughs) And we don't know how any of us would react. I was trying to understand Phyllis's perspective of not wanting to lose her entire life over this. But now, with the way that she's inserting herself into the situation at Jabot, that's none of her business. It's coming off as if she is a control freak and that all she really wants is to stroke her boyfriend's ego, putting him up on this pedestal. It just is starting to grate on my nerves a little bit. I think that Billy would be a fantastic CEO of Jabot, but I also think that he wouldn't be taking a lot of the steps that he's taking right now if it weren't for Phyllis standing right behind him, whispering in his ear and feeding into his ego. I think it's coming at too high of a cost also for the family. When Jack gets back into the mix, he immediately wants to call another board vote to remove the Blood Abbott Clause altogether. Yeah, now all of a sudden, Jack can't wait to get that one off the books. I mean, Kyle recommended it along with Billy a couple of weeks ago. He offered to do it with Ashley a couple of months ago. And now all of a sudden he says, oh, maybe now's a good time to take that off the books. But Billy also 
also said he wanted to do that. Billy said in the initial board meeting and has reinforced at, in other conversations that he's interested in having this blood abbot clause removed eventually. But when Jack brings it up now, Billy blocks it. He says, no thanks. Actually, we're going to keep it. I'm going to keep my chair. And you, Jack, are not only not going to be CEO, but I'm going to have to ask you to share an office with Kyle. Isolating Jack is just not a smart business move. Jack has years of knowledge and experience to contribute to anything that Billy might want to do in regard to Jabot's future. Jack could be a very valuable part of that. So I think Billy is making some wrong moves here by trying to squeeze Jack out. And I don't think he'd be doing it if Phyllis weren't in his ear. I also don't think that it's a very smart move to isolate Jack when the family is in so much turmoil. I haven't seen Billy do all that much to try to rein Jack in and pull him back into the fold. Shouldn't what Billy be doing, shouldn't it be bringing Jack in and trying to make him feel like an abbot still, making him feel like an abbot anyway? I'm not seeing a whole lot of that from him. Again, granted, Jack didn't do that when it came to Ashley, but I would have liked to have seen Billy be the bigger man a little bit. And I worry (laughs) about Billy's impulsiveness. I worry about Billy's ambition, which again is being pumped up by Phyllis. Shouldn't Billy overall, when it comes to business and when it comes to family, shouldn't he be trying to build things up, not tear them down? I mean, his first order of business is to remodel Jack's office? (sighs) Okay, remodeling could definitely give us a new set (laughs) that would be fun to work with, but what a way to rub salt in the wound. Billy takes control and he wants to change things fundamentally right down to the way the walls are. Then his second big idea is to eliminate one of the original fragrances that Jabot developed under when John first started the company. This was a fragrance that John developed himself. What was it called? I want to say, I think they were saying Vive Riche, <laughs> which it does sound very old money. <laughs> Vive Riche. <laughs> I kind of like it. But again, Billy has the prerogative to do these things as CEO, but it might be a little smarter to tread lightly. What's the point of getting rid of this fragrance that has been a part of the Jabot family. What what good is it going to do? Is he looking to just save some money so that he can put more funds toward a popcorn machine and a sleep pod for the employees? I don't know. I don't know. Billy has some good ideas, but so far it also seems like Billy is mostly just good at spending money. <laughs> And tearing things down and, and 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 sleeping with Phyllis all over the place at every twist and turn along the way. I would think 
that proving that you could solidly solidly turn a profit for the company and unite the team, unite the family, that would have been the better move. Um, but of course, it, it also is not the juicier move <laughs> when it comes to the drama. But this is what it is. This is what Billy is choosing to do. And Jack has no choice about it. He has no say. And he has no one else to blame but himself. At first, he plans to just sit back, bide his time, and wait for Billy to either get tired of playing with this new toy or screw up. In all fairness, Billy did almost tank Brash and Sassy's business by ordering poison ingredients <laughs> and working those into those face masks with which Victoria got sick over. So, I mean, Billy, he doesn't have exactly the best track record, although neither does Jack. Jack is definitely coming off as a spoiled, rich brat right now who's not getting what he is wanting. But I also do feel his pain and I wish that he had some allies. After the Vivrish Vivrish incident, Jack decides that biding his time is not the right strategy. He's not going to be able to sit around forever and wait for Billy to come around. He wants to do what Ashley should have done when she left Jabot over the Blood Abbott Clause. Jack wants to start something new, to start a brand new company that he can feel proud of, that has his stamp of identity on it, that doesn't always feel like he has to be living up to anything. This is this, you know, this could be something that would allow him to start focusing on who he is, not who he's not. I think there's there could be a lot for Jack to discover about himself in this process. I just I love the idea. I I I'm assuming he's just going to chicken out because it, I, it didn't work for Ashley. I don't know if it's going to work for Jack. I just if he doesn't go through with founding a new company, I just hope that for the love of God, he does not do what Ashley did and go work at Newman Enterprises. Ooh. Go work for his daddy. <laughs> his real daddy, Victor. Um, it is very hard to watch Jack abandon his Abbotness just because he has found out that there's no blood relation between he and John. I really think it does a disservice to the Abbott family and to the tradition and to all of the rich history that the Abbots have on the show there. It, it does feel like it does a little bit of a disservice to John Abbott. I mean, Jack is acting like John wasn't his father, like John's not his father anymore. And that's not the case. John was Jack's father when he was alive, and he's Jack's father now. So it's, it's, it's tough to watch him doing this. It feels like he's trying to throw away his entire past as if it were negated by the DNA test results. And that was very much represented in the decision that he made at the very end of Friday's show, choosing to quit. 
working at Jabot. It was it was very very sad to watch Jack Abbott walk away from the one thing that means the world to him, Jabot Cosmetics, and that legacy and everything that comes along with it. The real twist of the knife, though, was that Jack thought Kyle was going to follow him. Jack has been feeling that his son has become a wonderful ally, maybe someone that he can build this brand new company with, who can be his number two. So when Jack marches into Billy's office to offer his resignation, he says, and, oh yeah, guess what, Kyle, you got anything you want to say too? You want to jump in on this? And Kyle just says, sorry, Dad, I can't follow you down this path. Jabot is where I need to be. It was humiliating. And on top of the hurt, you could just, I, Peter Bergman played it just right because Kyle started to offer an excuse for why he wasn't going to be able to go along with Jack. And Jack just says, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. Like he cuts it off. Like I can't, I can't deal with this right now on top of it all. I'm just going to focus on, okay, well, I'm still going to stay strong and I'm still leaving the company. But just that little moment of, okay, okay, I got it. I can't allow that pain to continue to sink in. It was it was Peter Bergman at his best. Absolutely loved that moment, although it tore me apart. Um, of course, you know, this is all in front of Billy and Phyllis and everyone is telling him, you don't have to do this. You don't have to resign. But now it's his pride. I mean, it really is a lot about Jack's pride. And now he's just going to have to swallow it, walk out the door, sail on down the elevator for possibly the last time and, and go at it alone. I think this is Jack realizing that... He thought he was surrounded by family. He thought he was surrounded by not only the Abbott family, but also the Jabot family. Think of all the employees and the, and the associates and people he's known his entire career. All of that feels like it's gone now. And, and he feels like he's just going to have to go at it alone. Um, I, mean, I mean, feeling like he's been abandoned by his son is really going to be a tough pill to swallow also. I thought that Kyle was going to be an ally throughout the beginning of the week as Kyle was there trying to console Jack and trying to develop a bond and a camaraderie with Jack. I really thought maybe Kyle was starting to feel guilty over the fact that he's the one that lit this his father doesn't even know it. I thought that maybe Kyle was having a change and that he was choosing to stand by his father even though Jack really didn't have any power anymore. Um, if, if Kyle was purely a um, climber, like a, a corporate climber, he would have been snuggling up to Billy because that's where the power source was. But Kyle wasn't doing that. He was sticking by his father. And I thought, well, maybe he does have an odd loyalty to Jack. Uh, but then he makes the decision that he makes. And also, there was a moment at the coffee house where Jack was pitching this idea to Kyle about starting a new company, where Jack is telling him, I want to start something new and I want you to come along with me. I want you to be my number two. And there was a little twinkle in Kyle's eye at the thought of being number two, but I believe that Kyle chose not to follow through and chose not to follow Jack because he realized that number two 
is not going to satisfy him ultimately. Kyle wants to be number one. Ashlyn works at Newman Enterprises, yet she's stopping by Jabot on the reg to check up on Billy to try to force her ideas and her agenda for the company onto him. I see where she's coming from, though, considering more than once that when she stopped by the company, she has caught Billy and Phyllis in, shall we say, unprofessional situations. <laughs> Billy and Phyllis were straight up doing it in the office, on the couch, all sweaty and naked there on that leather where the board members were sitting just a few hours ago. <laughs> it is wildly unprofessional, <laughs> but also wildly hilarious and wildly sexy for us as viewers. I am pro Billy all the way. I am going to be critical of some of his decisions because if this was my brother taking over the company for the first time and all and so far mostly what he's doing was spending money and having sex all over the place, I would be concerned too. But Billy is also charming in that way. He, he's being very predictably Billy. With Billy, what you see is what you get, and that's what we're getting right now. Ashley is the opposite personality. Ashley is business first, and then pleasure, maybe, if she can pencil it in. <laughs> Ashley tells Billy to just stop messing around and follow her blueprint. She has provided him with a hard drive of ideas that she has for the company, and when he hasn't looked at those after a couple days, she brings him a big old file folder full of the hard copies of her ideas. She's really not being subtle here. She just wants him to button his lip and move forward like her good little soldier. Well, Billy's not going to be your good little soldier. He takes that file and he chooses to just throw it in the trash. <laughs> Here's the thing. Billy needs to be his own man. And that does mean not taking orders from Jack or Ashley or Phyllis or anybody else. I want to see Billy step up and take Jabot to a place that he really, really believes is right. Maybe he can pull it off. Maybe he can't. But I think we're starting to see that he's going to be met with some opposition from the other power play players. We are definitely having a three-way struggle emerge at Jabot. I think that's a very fascinating storyline. I like the idea of seeing the three Abbott siblings fight for control of Jabot. And I also think that's a good pull question for us as chatters. Who do you think should take over as the CEO of Jabot? Who would you like to see in this power position? Do you think it should revert back to Jack? Do you think Ashley deserves her chance to step up to the plate? Or are you kind of liking seeing what Billy can bring to the table? 
in at some level, Jack and Ashley have both had a little bit of a chance. This is Billy's first shot at that. So maybe you're you're digging that style. I think I'm going to keep this poll question limited to the three uh, Abbott main first generation Abbott children because first of all. Tracy doesn't want it, so I'm not including Tracy in the poll. You can pick from Jack or Ashley or or uh, or Billy, and then I'm not going to include the second generation because I'm pretty sure nobody wants to see <laughs> Kyle take over Chabot, and I'm pretty sure that nobody wants to see Abby take over <laughs> Chabot. So get in your vote now. Yrchat.com. Who do you want to see right now at this moment in time as the CEO? Of of Jabot, Jack or Ashley or Billy. Cast your vote. Abby doesn't seem to be at all interested in putting herself in the running for a power position at Jabot. The rest of the family is working really hard to defend their role as an Abbott, but Abby is still busy trying to defend her role as a Newman. I have a feeling she's going to be very busy over the coming months, embroiled in a feud with Victoria and possibly also with Nick. We'll talk about that next. I'm sure, though... <laughs> that Abby's new boyfriend, Arturo, is going to be very good for helping her blow off steam. <laughs> She's going to have her work cut out for her because last week I asked you guys if you think that Arturo is a good guy or if we are headed down creep path. <laughs> 71% of you said you are getting creep vibe from Arturo. 29% felt like he was mostly a good guy. I voted creep also, and I'm still concerned about that. I, I think I'm worried that the writing is on the wall when it comes to Arturo, um, but I can see this going either way. We had a cute scene this week where Arturo needs to go suit shopping for, a, for a, an event that he needs to go to. And Abby just so happens to be able to assist him in picking out the perfect suit, giving him the feminine eye, letting him know what looks good, making sure he's shirtless <laughs> for a couple moments there in the dressing room. Uh, and I think on the plus side for Arturo being a good guy, Abby offered to buy him a very expensive suit that he looked real good in. He said no. He could have let her buy him that suit and we all would have been talking about him treating her like a sugar mama and maybe that is what he was after with Nikki also. But he did not do that. So I will give him points for that. The only cons really are just the fact that he's getting so close with Abby so quickly and he seems to know what's going in her on in her life so quickly she took a phone call during the suit shopping 
that made her feel bad, that made her um, kind of question her role in the Newman family. And Arturo was right there offering a hug. So I almost think that most of our creep vibe coming from Arturo is probably not even necessarily based on Arturo's actions, but more on Abby's history. I, we, we know that she doesn't do very well when it comes to men. She tends to have bad judgment. Um, and Abby has taken to Arturo very, very quickly. She's moving things along a little faster than I think maybe she should. She has this awesome South Beach vacation planned for uh, presumably Memorial Day weekend. And at the very last minute, whoever she was going to go with decided to cancel on her and she's left without a travel partner. So why not just decide to invite your sexy new beau and pretend like there's not 100% certainty that you're going to be sleeping together when you get there? (laughs) Don't front, Abby. It was, I liked it when Abby went to Lily for advice on this, though, and she said, I could invite Arturo, but does that mean that he's going to interpret we're having sex on this trip? And I liked the way Lily responded. She said, if this guy is everything that you say he is, and he's, he's legit, then he's not going to assume any unearned privileges. I like that phrase. Any unearned privileges? I just, that was well written. That was a that was a good girl to girl moment. Um, but I, I think there's also a very real possibility that the real problem for Abby and Arturo is not even going to be Abby or Arturo. It could be Nikki because. Arturo accepts Abby's invitation at the very end of Friday's show, and then we have our next week previews of Abby and Arturo playing kissy face poolside and Nikki bumbling into the scene and seeing them. Um, you've got to be kidding me. What are the chances of that? <laughs> what do you know? We're all staying at the same hotel? Okay, okay. If that preview scene was just some, like, Memorial Day barbecue, if, let's say, the flights get canceled and Abby or Arturo end up staying in Genoa City for a a Memorial Day barbecue, Devon said that he was going to be throwing one, then okay, okay, I could see it. (laughs) But I swear to you guys, if... Abby and Arturo fly all the way to Miami and Nikki also happens to be saying in the same city at the same hotel, I'm going to scream at my screen. Mariah catches Nick and Sharon in a compromising situation. (laughs) There have been a lot of those this week. Thank you. (laughs) So Nick and Sharon have to sit Mariah down and have a talk with her about the birds and the bees and the exes and the dreams. (laughs) And I really liked the way that Mariah approached the information and the conversation. She wasn't fully surprised and she gave some great advice that I think Nick and Sharon needed to hear and they needed to hear it when they heard it from Mariah. Mariah says I'm you know I'm completely happy for you but I gotta ask you 
how is your relationship going to be any different this time around? And then she just pieces out, just leaves the room and leaves Nick and Sharon to really consider that question. How is their relationship going to be different this time around? Because they've gotten together, broken up about a hundred different times. What's going to make this time stick? Because Nick and Sharon still have the potential to fall into old patterns, even though they are different people. And Nick and Sharon are also different people, you know, in in some ways opposite from each other. So there are some really important things to think about once you get past all of the the sexy time. Um, I mean... They, they, it's not just all sexy time and strolls down memory lane about the tuna casserole incident. I mean, there's there's some things that need to be really talked about and, and really meditated on, I think. Um, I think they needed to establish the tone of their relationship, maybe set some boundaries. They did end up talking, of course, about Cassie. Um, that is really where a lot of their problems started. It's what a lot of their problems end up going back to the fact that Nick was um, unfaithful to Sharon after Cassie's death. I don't know that Sharon's ever really going to for- fully, fully forgive him for that. Uh, but they also talked about Faith, how she's going to react. They talked about Christian and how that's going to feel with Sharon raising Sage's son. I mean, these are all major topics that needed to be addressed. And then the time comes... To, to actually start telling the family. And I loved that Nikki stopped by to talk to Nick and Sharon. And um, Nick ends up bailing on Sharon, leaving her alone with Nikki to tell her all by herself about their reunion. Oh, <laughs> Nikki's reaction pulled no punches. She was very forthright. She just let Sharon know, I hate this. <laughs> I hate it. I hate you with my son. But Nikki also sees the benefit to letting Sharon continue to divert Nick's attention from finding JT, asking questions about JT, and digging around and finding their secret. I... I there there's just this little bit of lie between Nick and Sharon is it's just leaving a bad taste in my mouth when I should be enjoying my sticky sweet reunion. I hate hate that it's there. But it is. And Nikki decides to just leave this alone, let it be. She's not going to make a stink about it. Now, surprisingly, Nick goes down and decides to have the one-on-one with Victor, who was totally supportive. Wasn't expecting that. I mean, do you guys remember when Victor used to love Sharon and he treated her really like a daughter and he used to dote on her? I just remember how special their relationship was before they got married. Everything with Victor and Sharon's relationship went downhill when they got married, of course, and we never were able to get back to uh, that same footing. But I can't help but feel that Victor, I'm always suspicious of him. I always will be, I think. And I can't help but feel that maybe he was only condoning the relationship because he also had his own agenda. Like Nikki, he had something that he wanted. He tells Nick 
that he's had a change of heart after he had his near-death experience, and he wants Nick to come back to working at Newman Enterprises. Oh, no! No! I can't even believe that Nick was considering it. I, I, after all of these years and after how hard Nick has fought for independence from this very thing, he should not take this job. He should run as fast as possible in the other direction. <laughs> Am I right? Why in our chatters? Sharon tries to get through to him. She even tries to contact Victoria, thinking that Victoria will talk him out of this idea. But again, surprise, Victoria loves the idea. Here's another person with their own agenda, wanting to use Nick. Victoria realizes that, hey, fine, let Nick come over to Newman. I'm happy to have an ally. Then Nick calls Phyllis for advice. Okay, we are reaching the point, for me, for me, where Phyllis is just straight up being overused. We started to have this same problem with Michelle Stafford toward the end of her run as Phyllis. Am I the only one that feels like we're reaching the point of oversaturation with Phyllis here? Gina Tognoni is incredibly talented. I love her as Phyllis more, more than I loved Michelle Stafford. But we need to pull it back a little bit. She is up in everybody's business all the time, and it's going to make me start not liking her, and I don't want to get there. Doesn't Nick have any friends he can call who aren't his ex-wives? How about Neil? <laughs> Neil's real good at doling out advice lately. Why didn't Nick just call him? It does doesn't need to always be Phyllis. <laughs> well, like Sharon, Phyllis tries to warn Nick against getting closer to Victor again, but ultimately Nick chooses to accept Victor's offer. I admire Nick wanting to give Victor a second chance. I really do. I liked it in the hospital when they had their heart to heart and they tried to put the past behind them and decide to get off on a new foot. And, and I'm all for that. People are capable of change. And Victor did almost die again <laughs> for about the hundredth time. But Nick, wouldn't it maybe be better to just dip your toe in the water rather than just diving right in to Victor and the company and all of it? Maybe just focus first on having some family dinners with Victor, getting to know your dad again. Go play mini golf or go bowling something. Do whatever you do together. I don't see why Nick has to change his entire life's direction, his entire career's direction for this. I, I don't know why that has to be part of the package in order to get to know Victor again. Why does he have to work at Newman? Wouldn't just having more dance sing at, at the coffee house with Sharon be better?
where else but daytime can you see 20-year-old clips of a child actor standing on the same set as an adult? There's just nowhere. It's one of the most precious things about daytime are flashbacks and the fact that they retain their actors. And we can take a little girl like Cassie and we can see this film of her and then we can see Cameron Grimes standing on that same set at Sharon's house 20 years later as an adult as Mariah. I thought it was fantastic. I loved the Cassie flashbacks as I always always do. Um, I tell you what, every single time, every single time they play the scene of Cassie's death and the looks on Nick and Sharon's faces as the line goes flat, I I, I tear up. I, I, it gets me every time I see it. I still remember where I was sitting when I saw that scene for the first time and I was devastated. I had no idea it was coming. I'll never forget sitting there thinking she's not going to die. People don't don't die. I mean, they say that they say you're going to die and then you don't die and you miraculously come back from the edge and I had no clue that they were actually going to kill Ca- little Cassie. It was adorable little girl. I had no idea it was coming. I had no idea how it would change the show. I mean, that single moment changed so much of the show for me anyway I mean considering I'm I'm such a Nick and Sharon's fan um and I really have always respected YNR for never forgetting this character for always folding her into um the 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 scene for always uh, recognizing the anniversary of her death and her birthday and just and just bringing it back because it's not only uh paying honor to the character, but I think it reminds us of the bond that Nick and Sharon have and what it was that they lost. And we certainly did see Nick and Sharon bonding again uh, over Cassie this past week. Um, we saw less um, of any um, real connection to Mariah than I thought we would have. I mean, I, I guess, you know, Mariah didn't really know her twin sister, so she wouldn't have a whole lot of cause to be super reflective about it. Mariah did try try to reach out to Tessa though remember her remember Tessa <laughs> remember Tessa and her little music career and then also the romance with Mariah remember that um no okay well I'll remind you <laughs> Uh, the you know the anniversary of, of Cassie's death is still a heavy moment for Mariah's family, and I liked that Mariah decided to reach out to Tessa to see if she would just like to hang out, have a girls' night, go um, have some levity, just go watch a, a stupid movie, eat some popcorn. But <laughs> they got crashed on this idea. They got crashed in a very unexpected way. Um, Kyle is at the Hamilton Winters office when Mariah asks Tessa if she'd like to go out to see a movie. Kyle has just finished pitifully <laughs> not renegotiating the contract between Jabot and the Hillary Hour. I mean, this kid thinks he's going to be the CEO of Jabot and he couldn't even renegotiate a contract with Neil. I mean, it was it was sad. <laughs> His attempt was just sad. Uh, but Kyle overhears the movie and invitation and decides to just invite himself along on the the event too. I mean, he was making obvious 
sexy eyes at Tessa the entire time he was at the office and then he invites himself along on their trip. Of course, he doesn't know a thing about the history between these two women. I can't wait for him to find out, but it was so, even if he did, it's it's, it's so presumptuous of him to just crash their party. He almost comes off as so lonely. Just somebody love me, please. Will somebody love me? <laughs> Oh, who will it be? I'm remembering back to that first and only interaction we had between Mariah and Kyle when the character first reappeared on the show. And we chatters were theorizing that there might be a future love connection between Kyle and Mariah. I never would have imagined that that little weasel might end up coming in between Mariah's love connection. Look who's back on the scene with a whole bunch of excuses. Good excuses. Shauna. <laughs> Shauna is like a flying little Cupid. Uh, she's just flying over the top of Hamilton Winters and the Hillary Hour, shooting arrows at Hillary and Devon, and becoming a new love interest for Charlie. Hillary and Devon put together a prom fashion show for the Hillary Hour, which Charlie and Shauna were both involved in, and it was a fun scene. I really liked Hillary and Devon, you know, presenting the show, and they both secretly had Mariah get uh, old prom photos of each other, and they were going to surprise each other with this old embarrassing photo that would be shown to the world, and little did they know that they both had the same idea. It was cool seeing those old photos. I liked that quite a lot. Um, I liked seeing Hillary just uh, like glowing over the idea of prom and how important it is. It's very timely because we, we're, we're at that point now, uh, uh, prom time again here uh, in, the, in the U.S. And Hillary was waxing nostalgic about how she was her prom's queen. She was the queen of the prom. And the whole segment ended with a surprise promposal. I've never even heard of this term, but now that I know, I, I love it. I think it's adorable. Uh, Charlie surprises Shauna and asks her to go to his school's prom with him. And of course, it's all poked and prodded by, by Hillary and, and specifically Devon. I loved it! Was it weird that I, I honestly, I don't know why, but I teared up a little bit in that moment where all of the kids come out and they've got the signs and then Charlie comes out from the back and he asks Shauna to go to the prom with him. I don't know why, but I got a tear in my eye over that. <laughs> I don't even know Shauna that well. I, I, don't, I don't even know her enough to care about her, but I'm really into little Charlie. I think he needed a boost after that horrible incident with the Abbott movie and he looked adorable in his suit and I just liked seeing him all dolled up and happy. 
for the prom proposal and then for the actual prom night. Lily was at the office and she, since Charlie's an intern there, she was helping him uh, put on his finishing touches at the office and taking photos of her baby boy and being a proud mama. That was just all very relatable, looking at her son all grown up and going on this date and him being like, Mom! <laughs> it all felt very real. Uh, Devon was also trying to make this extra special for them. Um, he's going to continue to get some footage for the Hillary Hour, so he orders this big, like one of those big SUV stretch limo things. Have you ever seen those out on the street? Uh, I, I loved, loved that Devon gets this ridiculous car for the special occasion, and Maddie finds out about it. <laughs> And the look she gave Lily about this car was hilarious. And then Lily just nipped it in the bud immediately and said, yes, Maddie, it's an eco crime. Just let it go. <laughs> that made me laugh. That was so funny and so cute. Um... And then on the other side, we had Hillary helping Shauna get ready for the prom at the Hillary Hour studio. And she had a whole rack of dresses for Shauna to pick from. Really, really wanted to make this a special moment for the girl. Perfect dress, perfect hair, perfect makeup, perfect date. Just everything about this had to be right. She wanted this to be the best night of Shauna's life because, as we find out later, Hillary was kind of cheated out of her own perfect prom moment. Um, we find out that uh, some news has leaked out to the blogosphere that Hillary was not her high school's prom queen. She lied about it. Hashtag big surprise. But she had a good excuse. Hashtag there's always an excuse. <laughs> find out, though, that some mean girls at Hillary's high school dashed her prom dreams all because she she showed up to the prom wearing a thrift store dress that one of the popular girls had worn the year before. And it, they made it a point to ruin Hillary's night. And they made it a point to humiliate her. And it was a very painful memory for her, which Devon, fortunately, was able to help her rewrite that memory, to turn that negative memory into something positive and rewrite the history. Um, she's just so happens to be at the studio, standing next to that rack of dresses. And she has chosen Shauna's second choice dress that Shauna didn't pick. Shauna's already gone. So Hillary's just alone there, standing in Shauna's second choice dress. Just slips it on and she's, she looks like just like a, a, a pink sparkle prom fluff puff. <laughs> And she's just alone there, just probably thinking about how, you know, what her magic night should have been. And Devon shows up um, and creates a little bit of magic for her. He gives her a tiara. 
and he crowns her prom queen and he even bows at her it was just so freaking cute devon and hillary share a perfect prom dance i mean we all of a sudden are immersed in this moment as if we are transported back in time and we're at their prom and we all of a sudden see the the glitter ball the spinning glitter ball and the twinkling lights all around the room as they dance dance and the lights are spinning and they're spinning and they're close and it's so clear that they're gonna continue to be close and closer and closer it was a wonderful magic moment for Hillary for Devon for them as a couple potentially as two new parents and I think for the audience too the little hopefully possibly not hitch in the plan is I know you guys have got to be noticing when I'm noticing that Abby and Devon are starting to have quite a little friendship that's being mentioned quite a lot again. I mean, Abby invited him along on her uh, Miami vacation and of course he didn't, he couldn't go. I mean, I think he knows where his priorities are, but I just hope that Hillary doesn't do something to mess up and that Devon doesn't turn to Abby to be consoled. Way to stroke my male ego. Wanky, wanky. That was our quote from last week. Way to stroke my male ego. A lot of people guessed that it was Nick who said it, but no, no, no. It was Mr. Arturo. It was a very Arturo-centered uh, week last week. I had the Arturo poll and the Arturo question. Uh, he said it to Abby, uh, who was at the cabin with him, saying, how gallant he was for you know making sure that she got up there safely and getting her home and all of that and he said well way to stroke my male ego <laughs> a few of you were not fooled though uh henry gina jillian ambreen coral sandra and diana all guessed it correctly can you do it again here is our new quote of the week Loquacious is part of my charm. Loquacious is part of my charm. Who said it? If you think you know, go on over to yrchat.com to leave your guess. And if you get it right, I will give you your shout out on next week's YNR Chat. Ellen says, unfortunately, I think they're dropping hints that Arturo is shady. I'm disappointed because he's young, smart, confident, sexy, and Latino. The show needs a more diverse cast. One of my favorite little moments of the week especially of Friday's show, Ellen, was when Abby had invited Arturo to go to Miami with her, and they were chatting about what the trip would be like. Abby has planned this very rich, um, you know, seeing the only the best and brightest and most fancy and sparkling parts of Miami, and I really liked that Arturo said, okay, I'll go, I will go on this trip, but you gotta let me show you the real Miami like the real food the real clubs like what it's like I have family there and I loved that moment specifically because we got a sense of Arturo's 
culture. You know, he was saying, okay, I get your culture. I'm here in Genoa City and all you rich folks and working on your stuff, but I want to show you what my family is like. You know, what the restaurants we go to, how we do it. I thought that was really cool. And I agree with you that the show does need to have some more diversity. I certainly would welcome it. It's funny that you had mentioned that on the heels of me thinking that about Miami, like Arturo's Miami. I was instantly transported there. Um, And I I would love to have more moments like that. Uh, And as you say, a more diverse cast. Uh, Gary really appreciated Jack's paternity nightmare. At first, Gary thought, you know what, this is kind of a cheap trick. The fact that they did the whole, you know, your father is Victor Newman and then it's a dream. You know, it does come off as cheap trick, but then Gary zeroed in on this. If only for a millimeter of a second, YNR shrewdly was able to give us that, but then grab back the integrity and take it away because it's just too impossible. Bravo. Um, I, I really agree. I at first was very, I thought it was dirty tricks. <laughs> but thinking about it, YNR was able to give us that moment that we were all kind of anticipating like, oh, are they going to go there with Victor and Jack? And then they snatched it back and, and said, no, we're not going to do that. We understand the integrity, but we are going to kind of give you that poke. And I think if you interpret it that way, it is a little bit funny. It's, it's the show playing on our anticipations. Um, and in that way, as you say, it is very shrewd. We were kicking around a few ideas last week about who Jack's biological father would end up being. And Ellen says, what about Philip Chancellor? Uh, This could set up a rivalry between Newman Enterprises and Chancellor Industries. Those two companies seem like they're more in the same league than Newman and Little Jabot Cosmetics. Wouldn't it be great if uh, it brought Jill back to the show more regularly, too? I don't have any idea, Ellen, if is it is it feasible? Is it possible that Philip could be Jack's father? I like the idea that it could potentially make him a chancellor. Um, but I don't I don't know if they're going to go with a with, with a twist that way or not. I'm just not sure. But maybe the chatters could chime in and let us know, um, especially since I wasn't watching back then. If it is, is it possible? Is it feasible that Jack could be Philip Chancellor's son? Tawny says, wouldn't it be something to find out that Billy isn't an Abbott? But we know Jill went to the end of the earth over that situation. And Tracy could be a, an affair love child as well. Hmm, interesting. Maybe this kind of story will j- j- bring Jill back. I miss my Jill. So we have two comments here of people saying, I miss Jill. Where is she? It would be nice to see her. I know Jess Walton has her priorities and her family, and she lives in a different state. But um, but it would be good to see her come and get, it, get in on this. And who knows? Anybody's paternity is up for grabs. <laughs> Daisy says, I don't know why Ashley and Abby didn't tell Jack that Kyle's the reason his true paternity was revealed. Taking the flash drive out of the fire, then having the files restored might be something Jack would want to know. Moreover, he has the right to know. Kyle didn't just violate his father's trust. He hurt him on a deep, personal level. And because they've said nothing, Jack thinks his son is an ally, when in actuality, his son betrayed him. I hope Jack finds out what Kyle did soon. At least he'll know the truth. At that point, Jack could then proceed with the relationship with Kyle or not, with his eyes wide open, rather than thinking Kyle truly cares when he doesn't. 
Why didn't Ashley and Abby tell Jack? That's a good question. I think that's still coming. I, my, my senses are telling me that maybe next week or the week after we might see that information revealed to Jack. But it is, it is a good question as to why, why it hasn't happened yet. T. Nicole says, I heard Hunter King is coming back as Summer Newman in June. Do we think that uh, she will be involved with Kyle again or not so much and just leave it to the Mariah and Tessa triangle? I didn't know this, Tina Cole. I, I had um, logged into Soaps in Depth and I did confirm though that there uh, that there's a casting notice that Hunter King is coming back as Summer. Meh. <laughs> Hey, I gotta be honest. Uh, I, I, I didn't. I don't. Did not love. Did not love this summer. Uh, she's, she's fine. But it's just, she's just fine. That's all she is to me. I'm not excited about it. Uh, I, I don't know if she's gonna end up getting involved with Kyle. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. How do you guys feel about Summer coming back onto the scene? She just there's something about her that just I don't know. Maybe they'll be. Maybe she she'll be fresh and she'll have something new to offer. But um, there's nothing that sticks out. Uh, about her to me um but maybe you never know i'm sure if they brought kyle back then maybe they already have done some kind of chem testing between he and summer and that's the reason don't know we'll find out june Superplex <laughs> says, oh, what's up with Kyle going on natural on the Hillary hour? Was it to entice Mariah? Uh, did, didn't he ask Tessa out? At this point, he's becoming the laughingstock of the Abbott clan. I don't know what that preview was all about. <laughs> I am a little curious how we're going to arrive at Kyle standing naked in front of the Hillary hour cameras and not maybe realizing it. I I do not know. <laughs> but Kyle did ask Tessa out on a date and she declined. She got his vibe. She knew what he was after and she said no thanks. Um, and I'm pretty sure Mariah is, I don't know if Mariah would say yes to, to a date to him. I don't know if he was doing it to impress anybody or if it was meant to be an embarrassing situation, but uh, it was, he has a nice bod though. <laughs> The actor does have a nice bod. I mean, that was low cut. The way they framed that, I mean, you could see it was it was just there. <laughs> it was just at scandalous. <laughs> it was about a quarter of an inch above scandalous. <laughs> oh, on a on another sexy note. Kara says uh, she was feeling the chemistry between Ashley and Neil. This week, Kara says Ashley deserves a hot relationship and Neil is a beautiful man. I think this is probably the second time, right, that that Neil and Ashley have had a little bit of a run in since he's been back. Why not? Yeah, I agree. Why not? Who are we going to pair either of these people with? Why not pair them with each other? That makes complete sense to me. Um, Yeah, I'm totally in. Anna made an interesting point that maybe it's time to retire the yearly memorial of Cassie's death. Uh, it is very painful to lose a child, and it's 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 definitely something you would never get over. Um, a lot of mothers and, and viewers of YNR have been through this exact situation, so maybe it is a little too much to bring it up once a, once a year. Uh, I think that's a very fair point 
um, you know, I'm, I'm always saying, you know, I don't want to see this because I don't want to be reminded of X, Y, or Z bad thing. But I mean, you know, as a mom, it is a worst fear to think about losing your child. And yeah, if I had been through that, as many YNR viewers probably have been, um, maybe it would just start to feel like, can we stop putting salt in, in this wound? Um, so I thought I'd, I'd present that as, a, as an alternative perspective to, you know, to my, you know, one little window in into, into how I view the Cassie thing. So that's it is a very good point. Um, Gina had a bit of a prediction here saying, Nick is going back to work at Newman Enterprises. And you just know that it's all going to hit the proverbial fan when Nick finds out that Victor knew the paternity of young Christian all along. I hadn't even thought about that, honestly, Gina, but the family togetherness vibe that they got going on is not going to last. <laughs> you just know <laughs> that it's not going to last. Uh, but how could the paternity secret come out? Who would tell Nick that Victor knew about Christian's paternity all along? Would it be, Ch you know, is, would Chelsea drop some kind of bomb from afar? Or could we have Chloe doing it? Or I'm not sure how that truth would come out, but you make a good point that it usually does. Consuela has a really insightful comment here saying, it's interesting that Sharon said the way Victor grew up is why he turned out the way he did as a father. And it's a constant pattern because we can also compare Jack's upbringing and the way he is with his family. With Victor being abandoned by his parents and growing up in an orphanage, he can be very cold and controlling a lot of the time. Whereas Jack grew up in a loving household with a father who was present and loving and exuded warmth. I feel that's how the Abbott family is ran. The Abbots are very warm and loving most of the time. <laughs> uh, Jack and Victor, though, have two different approaches to running the family because of how they were raised. Yes, Consuela, that is very insightful. And that speech by Sharon where she was choosing to recognize why Victor is the way he is uh, was a good, good piece of writing. And I like that, that you um, decided to zoom in on that. Diana says, why does Nikki call, why doesn't Nikki call Cook by his or her name? <laughs> it makes Nikki sound so disrespectful to her staff. It's terrible. Furthermore, why isn't this person a chef? <laughs> They're supposed to be billionaires. Why do they only have a cook? Victor could have the best chefs in the world. He could have Chef Ramsay if he wanted. I caught that too, Diana. It is weird that they always say, do you want me to have Cook prepare, blah, blah, blah. Why? What is that? It should be the chef or I, I remember back in the days where we knew Miguel. Miguel was the housekeeper, but we darn well knew who he was or Connie, Victor's receptionist. Like we there were some characters who were on the outside servicing these billionaires, uh, but we at least knew who they were. Calling him cook is just weird. I thought the exact same thing when I heard it. Why? Why? I, I don't know. I, and if they can't give the person a name, then why not say the chef? It's bizarre. <laughs> um, Aaron says, OMG, I am so excited that Nick and Sharon are back together again. Victor and Nikki are back together. My soap world in my head is now complete. Now I just need for Hillary and Devon to get back together and I will be extra good. <laughs> Uh, Cheyenne says, seeing Hillary be a mother hen to Shauna has been cute to watch. 
Hillary was giving me mom vibe in that moment where she and Shauna were looking at the dresses in the mirror. It made me think about what a good mom Hillary will end up being. Justin is always good for a little bit of trivia. He he wanted to let me know that uh, this past week was the one year anniversary since Maddie and Charlie were aged, uh, since they were sore as. So isn't it interesting that we've had Maddie and Charlie for an entire year now? It almost doesn't seem like it. Oh, and let's end on this. Shakona says prom sounds lovely. We don't have prom in Holland, but if we did, I would want a promposal from Nick. <laughs> I had not even considered the fact that viewers from outside of the U.S. wouldn't even necessarily have prom. So that's a that's a really interesting perspective, and I love the idea of getting promposals from Weiner characters. So I thought that might be a fun question to toss out to everyone this week too. Um, if you were gonna get a promposal from a character on the show, who would you want it to be from. I'm going to choose. <laughs> I'm going to choose Kane. I want Kane to take me to my prom and I want him to pick the tightest pants possible <laughs> to take me to the prom in so that I can enjoy the view the entire night. Um, I, uh, I, I, I watch the, well, my daughter, I guess, watches The Price is Right every single day. She loves it. She's obsessed with it. And last week, and there have been a couple times where unannounced, and I didn't even know it was coming, Daniel Goddard, I always say his name wrong. It's probably Goddard. Daniel Goddard, I think, uh, who plays Kane, just has shown up on the set, and he's just presenting The Price is Right prizes, and it's like a little surprise for me. It's like she's watching the show, and I all of a sudden see Kane come on it's like a little present for me and he's just so he's just so cute <laughs> and he just seems so personable and like he just seems like he's a good champion for YNR like he's all in for the fans and he just always got a big smile on his face and he just seems like an all-around good guy I want him to give me my promposal who do you want to give you your promposal uh, I'll, I'll look forward to reading those in the comments this next week Ten years, everybody. <laughs> Ten years of YNR chat. Can you believe it? <laughs> if you haven't already seen or heard it, I did put together a special little 10-year anniversary YNR chat video slash podcast uh, where I took some uh, questions from you guys and I provided some answers on some behind-the-scenes things or just some general chatting about the chat and what's what's changed in 10 years and, and, and all that. I, I did some reflecting, <laughs> uh, some celebrating, uh, and if you haven't seen or heard it yet, just look in your feed. Wherever you're watching or listening to YNR Chat, it'll be there, um, or of course you can just go to YRChat.com uh, and you will find it there. Just a little something bonus, a little something extra uh, if you want to hear me talk about uh, about my process and, and just in general, uh, given giving some love to YNR Chat on what feels like a bit of a, a special occasion, right? 
whyourchat.com is also a really great place for you guys to leave your comments about the show as it's unfolding or after you listen to this or what, whatever you have to say. I certainly do continue to love hearing it. So again, whyourchat.com and come back next week. We'll keep chatting about the show. <laughs> I love you guys. I'll see you next time. Bye.